Welcome to the Park Church Sermon Podcast. This is the audio portion of our weekly sermon. For more resources, check the show notes or visit www.parkchurchdsm.com. We'd also like to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, Inside the Park, where we take Sunday to the weekday. Available everywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, Park Church family. If you are a guest with us and not a part of the Park Church family, I want to say it's a delight to have you here. Uh, My name is Brad, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here at the park for almost a year, which is exciting and awesome, and uh, it's so good to see you this morning if you're a guest with us, and I've already got to meet some of you or some first time in a long time. We're glad that you're with us today. Uh, Before I was the pastor here, I was on staff at a church here in the area, Sailorville. Many of you know that well. And I was there for 10 years as an associate. And I remember there was one Sunday morning that I was uh, walking around the church and I came upon a clogged toilet in the bathroom. You know what I'm talking about? Has it happened to you at church before? You walk in, there's a clogged toilet, and I thought, okay, I got to do something about this. So I leave, I go out, and I find a plunger. And as I'm coming back in, there's a man in the foyer, and he says to me, sees me walking with the plunger, and he's like, that's what I like to see, a pastor that's not afraid to get dirty. And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. But as I was walking to the bathroom, I thought to myself, why should this be so strange? Is it weird to see a pastor that is doing the grit work? Perhaps at times, maybe it is. And yes, the pastor, as we've already seen, is a pace setter, leading the direction along with other qualified men where the church is to go to fulfill God's mission. He is a shepherd in and around and among the sheep, in with them, praying, teaching. But a shepherd is also a servant and should be willing to serve. And so that day I went in and I plunged it and I unclogged that toilet. And I probably should have because the reason I came upon it was because I was the one who clogged it. (laughs) But, you know, anyway, that's a whole other story altogether. (laughs) Pastors need to do what they're primarily called to do, right? So much work can get in the nitty-gritty of everyday life and ministry that pastors can actually neglect what they are meant to be doing. Caring, praying, preaching the word, leading the direction. But if we're not careful, we can get so bogged down in the details of ministry that we can forget those things. It was happening in the early church. You'll see behind me here from Acts chapter 6. This very thing was happening. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in daily distribution. So some widows were not getting the food that was meant to be given to them. So the twelve, that is the apostles, summoned the whole company of disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Is there another slide there? One more. That might be it. Okay, that's it. One to two. All right. So that's it. So what they're doing here, I'll read the rest of it. Acts chapter 6, 1 through 4. So he tells him, he says, choose from among you 
able men who are able to do the work of the ministry so we can focus in on what God has called us specifically to do, that is to pray, to teach, and to lead the people. So I want us to see this morning, as we strive to be the most biblical church as possible, we see that first of all we've looked at pastors and today we want to look at deacons. Well, you might ask, what is the difference between a pastor and a deacon? Here's a real simple way to remember this. Pastors serve by leading. Deacons lead by serving. Pastors lead or serve by leading. Deacons lead by serving. So here's our map of where we're headed today. I just want to simply look from this text, what is a deacon and who is a deacon? First, we'll see that a deacon is a lead servant. A deacon is a lead servant. It's from the Greek word. The New Testament was written in the language of Greek, and we've translated it into English. And the word where we get deacon from is deaconos. It it means a servant. That's what the word actually means. If you break it down, it means a servant. So Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12 said, God has given to the church some to be pastors, some to be apostles, and others. But he says pastors are given to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So pastors aren't meant to do everything, but they're meant to equip others to do God's work. And the deacons are to be those ones who are first equipped and resourced by the pastors to lead and facilitate the other saints to do the work of the ministry. Deacons are on the front lines of ministry. I'm wearing my uh, Iowa State Fair security polo today in honor of Fair Week this week. And I ran into someone in the back, and they said, what's that from? And I said, well, it's from when I was in high school. Uh, uh, I wore this shirt. And they said, it still fits? I said, yeah, I was a big guy in high school. And her her husband said, you're supposed to say it looks big on you, right? I was like, well, it definitely was very tight when I was in high school, okay? So here I am wearing this shirt. And I remember being 17 years old, and I was working the night shift. And they put me on the night shift in the campground. Not just any campground, the Kearney campground. Okay, whoa, some prejudiced people out there. Okay, didn't even go into it. But you know, the the people that run the rides don't have the greatest reputation. Now, I can say that because my great aunt owns a carnival, and I've got Kearney in my blood, okay? So I'm allowed to say that. So I was put in there, left with the radio all by myself at night, and it was to this day the scariest night of my life. (laughs) And they said, if anything happens, just call us on the radio. And they were like a mile away on a golf cart. (laughs) And there were shrieks and screams that I had never heard before all night long throughout this entire campground. I was by myself. And if you wanted to get into the campground, you were getting in because I wasn't going to stop you. (laughs) I was on the front lines. They said, here, have fun. Go do it. Now listen, that's not what a deacon does, all right? We don't leave you to fend for yourself. Equip, and we help you to do the best you can be to lead others on the front lines of ministry. 
to pursue and to encourage others to keep on going because ministry is hard work. And we need people that are dedicated to hard work of seeing ministry happen. Now, before you think that all this stuff here for requirement of a deacon is just to be good at woodworking and a mop, and the qualifications are very different than elders, they're actually not. So here's what I want you to see in verse 8. Let me read it again. It says, deacons likewise to be worthy of respect. Not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money. Here's what I want you to see secondly this morning is this. A deacon is a godly servant. They're not just a servant. They're a godly servant. It says to be worthy of respect. This is someone who people look up to that if they emulated their lives, they would look like Jesus. They are a distinguished person who has worked hard in character and in service in the church that others look up to and say, I respect this person because of their godliness, their growth in Christ, and what they have done and served in this church. It says that they should not be hypocritical. That means that they live a consistent life. They don't say things and not actually believe it. They believe what they say and they actually do it. Their yes is yes and their no is no. They live a consistent life, not perfect, but a consistent life devoted to God. They're not drunk and they're not greedy. Os Guinness says this. It's kind of interesting what Os Guinness says about this. He, he is not, the, the deacon is not to be drunk on wine or money. They are not to be addicted or controlled by wine or to be controlled by money. But verse 10 says, let them be tested first and then they can serve as deacons. Brian Chappell says that to be tested first means you don't have to put the deacons through a, a probationary period. But before you set them forth as deacons, they should first meet these qualifications. It's not as you go, you start developing these characteristics in your life. First of all, it should be a person that is already living this way. And if they first are tested in that way and meet the qualifications, then they can serve as a lead godly servant in the church. But why all this? Why all these qualifications for deacons? Aren't they servants? Well, Jeff Metters says this. Deacons are not grunt workers, but mobilizers in the advancement of gospel ministry. Deacons are needed. They are necessary for the work of the gospel in the church. Listen to this. In every position in the church, in every area of your life, Jesus cares more about your character than he does your giftedness. Jesus is more concerned about who you are becoming and who you are before what you do. In every area, and especially in his church. So to serve in the church is not a cover-up for your lack of character. To say, look at all this service I'm doing. I'm a godly person. No, it starts, first of all, with pursuing godliness 
and then service in the church is an overflow of who you are as a godly person in Christ. Now, that takes time, doesn't it? If you're new here, it takes time to become these things. That's why new converts don't become elders and deacons. It takes time to grow in these maturity. You can serve in the church, but you're not going to be a lead servant. But I would just encourage you with that. Is your daily life, if you know Christ, are you growing in character? What God cares about most, who you are and what you are becoming before what you are doing. Verse 9 says, holding the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. So who is a deacon? Secondly, they are a godly, gospel-loving servant. A godly, gospel-loving servant. We saw last week that an elder is a gospel man. A deacon is also a lover of the gospel. Here's what it says here. The mystery of faith. When Paul talks about mystery in the New Testament, what he is talking about is something that was once hidden that has now been uncovered so that we can see it fully. It's kind of like a magician. He's got the table of stuff in front of him, and he's got them all covered up, and then he pulls it away slowly, revealing uh, what's happening, and then finally you see the full picture. The scriptures are in such a way as that where they unfold over time, and we see things more and more clearly as time goes on. Now, God's plan of salvation has always been from the beginning by grace through faith alone in a Messiah. But those in the Old Testament didn't know who he was. They heard about him. The scriptures talked about him. It was still a mystery. And who is this one that was going to crush the serpent, that was going to bring us salvation once and for all? Do you realize the beauty and the wonder of the time that we're living in right now? We don't have to wonder. We see the full picture. There is a Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. And here's the good news. You are a sinner, but Jesus is a wonderful and greater Savior. And if you believe in him through faith, you don't have to wonder who it is. Salvation comes through one man, the man Christ Jesus. And a deacon is one who is in awe of the good news of the gospel. That he looks at that and goes, would God save a sinner like me? That God would send his son to earth to live a perfect life, to die in my place and to rise again. That there's nothing I can do to earn salvation. That's too good to be true. And a deacon thinks about this. It drives everything that he does. And he holds on to the mystery of faith as he believes it. And it shapes his life. And that we would be a church that never loses sight of that. That's why we say that we're a gospel-saturated church. We don't ever want to move on from the glorious truth that Jesus Christ saves sinners. And if I love Jesus more, the more I'm going to love you the more I'm going to love my family, the more I'm going to share about Jesus because he just continues to change my life through the truth of his glorious gospel. So if you notice here, a lot of these qualifications are very similar and even repeat the qualifications of a pastor. In fact, they're right after one another here. 
So what's the actual difference? I gave you that definition that pastors lead by serving and deacons uh, lead, or pastors serve by leading and deacons lead by serving. But if you look at the text here, the difference between the two is that the pastor has authority over the congregation together in a team of elders and also the teaching on the gatherings. That is what the pastor is meant to do. That is not for the deacon. You don't see that listed here in these qualifications. And the one defining feature between these two lists of an elder pastor and a deacon is able to teach. A deacon might be able to teach, but it's not a requirement for them to be able to do so. So the pastor has authority and teaching, which is not for the deacon. So because of this office does not have authority, does not have teaching, it is not an elder, I want to submit to you this morning that the scriptures make room, and I believe as we see together, teach that there is room for deacons and deaconesses in the church. That is both men and women. So who is a deacon? It's a godly, gospel-loving man, male or female, servant in the church. Now, some of you who aren't used to that just bristled a little bit there. In the same way that others last week heard that a pastor is to be a man, that the office of elder is for men only, I want to just show you, if that's not what you're used to, make a biblical case for why a deacon can be both men and women. Look at verse 11 again. Now, you see that first word there is wives. If you have an NS, NIV, anybody using an NIV this morning? It doesn't say wives, it actually says women. If you're using an ESV or a CSB, which I'm using this morning, you can follow the footnote that is down next to the wives. Mine is letter B, and you see down at the bottom of your page, it says 311 or the women. You can see that if you're using your phone, there's a little bubble that's next to the wives. If you click on that on your phone, that little bubble, it'll bring a little pop-up that says, or women. So here's what I want us to see this morning. Is that if this says their wives too, then it's obvious that he's talking about the wives of deacons. But the actual there is not in the original Greek. It's absent. It's added there by the translators. So it just reads as this, likewise, the women, and then gives the qualifications for women. Tom Schreiner says this, hang with me. Why does Paul omit a reference to wives of elders, particularly since elders exercise pastoral oversight and leadership in the church? So he's saying, why is it that Paul does not give a responsibility or requirements for the wives of pastors? He goes on to say this, it would seem the character of the wise of elders would be even more important. One can conclude that Paul isn't referring to wives at all, but female deacons. Now, let me just say here that maybe I could be wrong and maybe it is wives. Maybe that's exactly what it is. Here's what I want to say. If it is wives, then Paul is saying that wives are able to deacon along with their husband. Right? Do you see that? It doesn't say that wives can elder or pastor along with their husband. But it does say that deacons, deaconesses, are meant to be in the church serving together, not in authority, not teaching, but 
as lead servants. And we see this throughout Scripture, Romans 16, 1 and 2. You'll see it behind me here. This is speaking of Phoebe, and he says this, I commend you, Sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea, so you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, a sister in whatever matters she may require for your help. For indeed, she's been a benefactor of many and of me also. We're introduced to in the last chapter of Romans, Sister Phoebe. She was the letter carrier in that book, taking the letter from Corinth where it was written to the city of Rome. And Paul specifically uses this word servant, which is diakonos, referring to Phoebe in a specific city church. It's the very same word that is used in this chapter as well. And in church history, just one last thing. If you look at some old documents, Pliny the Younger is speaking to Emperor Trajan in 89-98 AD. So very early on in church history. And he's asking the governor, how do I deal with Christians that are in this province? And he instructs Pliny to go talk to two women who are deacons in the church. So let me say this. If you're coming from a background, and I know there's a lot of different backgrounds that are represented in this room. If you're coming from a background where there is a pastor and his staff and then deacons, often in that spot, that deacon is acting, or that pastor is acting along with those deacons more as elders than deacons. They're actually leading the direction of the church and helping in the teaching and the preaching. In that model, I do not believe you should have women deacons. But if you have a plurality of elders, that means a team of men who are called, gifted, and qualified that are leading the direction and the teaching of the church, then there is much room and should be women serving under that. Oh, man, and what a gift that would be. Women serving women, helping, visiting, leading ministries, and mobilizing others to follow Christ, to be more like him, and to serve him in this role. Now, I want you to see this behind me, because we have many servants in this church. I love this photo. It's, the, it's, my, it's my, one of my favorite photos that we've ever shown. And I know it's light in here. You can't see all that's happening. But the teaching of the children, the leading in worship, the sound and tech, the serving, the greeting, everything that's on here, it's just people who are serving in our church that we would not be who we are today. And if you're not up here, it wasn't a slight on you, okay? Don't take it personally. This is just random photos. But we have so many people that are serving in this church that are doing the work of the ministry, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. I want to say thank you to Anna Chung. She's back here. Anna actually makes all my slides every week, and many people don't know that, and I'm very grateful for that. So thank you, Anna. Yeah, you can give her a hand. She asked me when she sent me the slides this week if I could do that. She really wanted some recognition. So, No, if you know Anna, you know that's not true. Look at verse 13. For those who served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So who is a deacon? A godly, gospel-loving male or female servant with a great reward. 
It says they have a good standing for where they served. People honored them. They are respected in their service. And they are honored by God as they have a great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. These are not just people that like to mop. These are bold people who love Christ and lead others in service to do the exact same thing. Because listen, as a deacon serves and is rewarded for their service, when they serve, they look most like Jesus. They look a ton like Jesus. When you use your gifts to serve others in the church, Jesus says, you look a lot like me. Son, daughter, you're looking a lot like your savior, savior right now when you're serving. You're not like people who don't know God that use their positions to get ahead and to have a position. No, you use it to serve others. And what was read by my wife this morning, this is what Jesus says in Mark 10, 43 and 45. But that is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be a servant. That's the word deacon. Whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, that's the word deacon, but to serve, deacon again, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why as you serve, you look like Christ, because that's what he came to do. And his greatest act of service was to lay down his life on our behalf. Shouldn't we also, if Christ laid down his life for the church, shouldn't we want to serve others in the very same way? If you don't know Jesus, listen to this. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. The Bible says if you don't know Jesus, even though it might not feel like it, the Bible says you're lost. You can't save yourself. But Jesus came in his greatest act of service and lived the life that you could never live. He never once sinned, which qualified him to be the Savior, to die for your sins, to take them away, to give you all his goodness so that you could one day stand before God, a sinless person. You will not go into judgment, but through faith that is to put all your trust in Jesus. You'll come into a relationship with God and have eternal life. So church, when we serve, we look like Jesus. Who are you serving? In your home, are you looking to serve first or to be served? At your job, are you looking to be served or to serve? In the church, are you looking to be served or to serve? Not just when you're scheduled to serve, but the posture like Jesus to say, I am here to serve, not to be served. You know, so often we look at what's godliness? Reading my Bible. Being a disciplined person. But one of the greatest ways that you look like Jesus is when you give up your rights to serve others while serving him. Let's pray together.